Hello, conspiracy players. Welcome to another episode. Today, we have a very special treat for you. Matt T. from the Great Deception Podcast. This is a guy that I've wanted to get on for a while. I had the opportunity and the privilege to join his Monday Night Master Debaters show, which is another show he does aside from the Great Deception Podcast. And if you haven't checked that out, it's loads of fun. In fact, uh, shit, it was just this last one where you had the all-female panel. That's probably my favorite one so far, honestly. It was really good. And You've been uh, good feedback. Have you? Yeah. That's not surprising. I mean, shit, those, those three chicks together, they're just great. And then you and Ryan with your little tidbits that you would throw in there. I loved how Ryan was like, yeah, we're, we're going to identify as women today, too. There's <laughs> the five of us. Yeah. Five of us ladies. So uh, Matt, he's kind of got a niche, I think, and he's really into Tataria and World Fairs. In fact, I'll have you talk about what you think Tataria is, because I've heard you're kind of evolved on what you think Tataria is, just from listening from the beginning of your podcast up to the point you're at now. So if you want to just give a little intro to your, your interests and what kind of got you into starting your own podcast. Yeah, thanks, Colby, for having me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, like you said, I, you know, I came around in that time when there was a lot of podcasts coming out and I was just doing other people's shows. I like doing research. So I had this big, long, uh, Twitter thread that I did back in 2020 on Disney and the dark side of Disney. So I would go on podcasts and I put together a little presentation and would show people, you know, how Disney's tied to the CIA and NASA and the FBI and, you know, a lot of the occult symbolism they use. And even Disney himself had a little dark past. And and then people are like, yeah, you should do a show. And I was like, ah, you know, one of those things. And, and eventually I started it and, and I started my show, which is the Great Deception podcast, where I like to do like deep dives. It's kind of along that. That's what got me into it was the Disney thing. And going deeper into subjects than just kind of surface level stuff. But then I also wanted to meet cool people and and just have open discussions because I was at a point where everybody that I seemed to talk to in my life wasn't on the same frequency with me. Like we, we just couldn't connect on what we were talking about, nothing. There was no good conversation. And I'm like, man, there's got to be people out there that just, you know, have cool ideas and want to talk and so i started the monday night master debaters and that's where i basically get like two or three different podcasters together with ryan dean the host of dangerous world podcast and myself and we've been doing it now for oh god 70 episodes i think and it's a blast man i met a lot of cool people we've had a lot of fun discussions i mean like you said last week we had the all ladies night and it's just great to do stuff like that and it's a little different and it's a little because what I do with the my great deception is a lot of deep dives and a lot of it's dark. So I love to do the master debaters because that's my fun time. I don't have to prep at all. I just go there, show up and we have a, a good time. So, yeah. And, and my real love, like I said, is the deep dives. I like to research history. I like to look into alternative history uh, because as my name, my podcast says, I question everything now. I've been lied to by so many different people and groups that 
it's like, man, everybody seems to have an agenda. So if you're not part of that agenda, you're a victim. So you have to step back from all this insanity and, and dig back and see what's real. And how do we learn about what's happening today, I feel, is by understanding what happened in the past. Because a lot of what I see in history and what I've researched is you see these waves or patterns throughout history that recur. And if you know what could happen in the past, now you have a better understanding of what can happen now and in the future, or how to change what's going on right now to benefit people. And, and so that's where I go with it. And it's been a lot of fun so far. Uh, the deep dives are a lot of work, man. It's, you know, you put, you put in a lot of hours into those for, you know, an hour and a half, maybe two hours of content on some of them, but it's, it's worth it. I think it's fun. I, uh, people seem to enjoy it and, uh, you know, more importantly, I like doing it. So I really, I really don't care what anybody else thinks at that point. No, I feel you. I was, uh. I went on NY Patriots Occult Rejects show, shit, sometime this week, Wednesday maybe, but I felt like I was getting ready for a college exam like the night before, just fucking cramming about Elon Musk, and he's been a passion project of mine lately, but I just felt like I needed to kind of just like get my shit together, and like you said, it's a lot of work, and especially with like some of the topics that you cover, I mean, they're just so broad, and the fucking umbrella that is Tataria. I mean, would you say Tataria is kind of what like got you looking into the old world or it was the that... world's fairs. Okay. It started with, uh, and that's why I kind of use the Chicago world fair as my background here. It was Howdy McCoskey's book, uh, exposing the expositions. And it was like, uh, ancient America is in Rome or Rome in ancient America. And I read this book, back in, I want to say 2019 or 2020. And I'm like, what? I'm like, this was Chicago. I'm like, there's no way this looks like Rome. This, this, this is, he's, this isn't a fiction story he's telling here. And then I start Googling it and I'm like, what? And then I was like, okay, there was Chicago, New York. There was one in St. Louis, one in San Francisco, Nashville, Omaha. I'm like, these were everywhere. I'm like, I've never heard of these things. I'm like, for such a big production and big event, why was it never mentioned in any of our history class? And I just found that very, very bizarre. And then so you start looking at that. And then uh, I think it was a meme that started going around about the little clip of the CIA release uh, of the CIA document that basically said that they had... Um, hidden up they'd worked with the soviets to cover up tataria and that's what got me into that side of it but that was through the world's fair again i was following world's fairs account and we were talking about hidden history and um the architecture and things like that and then they brought up this tartaria and i started looking at pictures of quote-unquote tartarian buildings you know that people say is that tartarian and it's all this stuff it's all the old romanesque greco-roman um moorish architecture that and and this right here was in 1893 so we're not talking about like 1950 no this was in the 1890s and and there were they said that 27 million people 
went to the Chicago World Fair and it was over a six month time frame. Now, mind you, the population of Chicago at the time was only 3 million. So they brought in over a six month time frame, nine times their population. And I was like, how did they accommodate? How did they have all the accommodations? Where did all those people go to the bathroom? Like, and, and all of this area where this was built on two years before they opened it was swamplands. So it's like they built all this in two years. They brought in all these people. And then you're like, oh, well, there has to be some of these buildings. No, what? They burnt all the buildings down intentionally. So was uh, that was is that verified that it was intentional or is it just kind of obvious? Oh, like, there there's quotes from the the, you know, board members. And I don't I don't know. I should know which one. But basically, he's saying this these build this fair needs to go out with a bang, much like it came in. You know, and it's either these things are going to burn or they're going to rot. And he goes, it's more fitting that they're burned to the ground. So, it, so in some of the, that was Chicago. Chicago was one where they, they basically said, we're burning this thing. We're getting rid of it, you know, but a lot of the others, they, they wasn't so open about it. You know, there were other things that happened and. You know, that's another interesting thing is, is if anybody's wants to go down route, go look at crystal palaces. That's another one of the, that ties in with this, that there's these massive structures built in the 1850s out of glass and steel or, or iron beams, you know, and wh where are these at? There was one in London. Uh, there was one in New York. And those were the two big ones, right? London was in 1850. Now, what's amazing about this London one, now it's a couple, I think it was 800,000 square feet, this thing covered. So it's a massive building. So they had it for the World's Fair in London. After the World's Fair, supposedly, they broke it down and relocated it to another town where it stayed for uh, probably about 50 to 70 years and then it burned in a fire so these are well, like pa like panels it's not just like a solid piece of crystal out i mean how it's do they all glass it's, it's all it's glass all glass and we're talking millions of panels of glass okay in 1850 that they manufactured and it's like well how did they manufacture and and you want to know the time frame that they built this eight hundred thousand square foot crystal palace in six to nine months so that's even crazier than these world's fairs. It, it's it all ties in with the the insanity of and that's what it is. Now, I'm not doubting that the structure existed, right? We're not we're not we're doubting the narrative around it. And that's what we keep coming I come across in a lot of my research. Like a lot of the events happened, but there were other events that happened too that weren't as reported. And the events that were happened had a spin put on them to make one guy or group look good and another guy or group look bad. And whoever was writing the story was obviously the one who was looking good. And you see that throughout world wars. You see that throughout, um, you know, even like changes in empires. When, when one empire comes in, boom, first thing they do is they're going to put their spin on the history. 
<laughs> and and you see that over and over again and one of the biggest places is right here in america and the the whole american dream the concept of manifest destiny it, it's nothing more than glorified genocide i mean it, it which is comical because everything that this nation that we were indoctrinated in anybody that went through the american school system was how great this nation was and how upstanding this nation was and how moral and ethical and honest we were you know honest abe and all this shit and it all turns out to be a lie i mean every you look at every treaty that the americans made with the natives they broke every treaty just about that we've made with other nations we've broke yeah look at the nato thing going on right now like that one to me sticks out just because it's so current yeah and that's another one i mean it's like th that whole scenario where you I, I try to tell people this they say okay imagine if china or russia formed a group with canada mexico cuba latin america maybe even south america and they started having war exercises right on our border do, do you do you think we'd say oh yeah that's fine we're not going to do anything now what if they started bombing texas and killing texans for eight to ten years and nobody would help the texans so finally the government of america comes in and says hey we'll help you and we're going to go into mexico and and push these people back well, that's what's happening i mean that's what they did in ukraine nato was just on the border of russia and they were using the threat of ukraine and and what was happening what uh, ukraine using nato and then what was happening within ukraine goes back to 20 the 2014 coup that the u.s was a part of mm -hmm. and that since 2014 and previous as well when yeah because the there's the colored revolutions of like early 2000s that kind of laid the ground for the 2014 coup exactly and i mean yeah. i'm sure it goes back further than that even too oh yeah it goes way it goes back to the origins of the ukraine i mean it, you can go all the way back to the holodomor i mean if you really want to go back oh, where okay now that that's something i'm not familiar with what's that oh that's one of the biggest genocides in history that stalin committed against the ukrainians he starved oh, out oh okay so this starved is a... out like 60 million people or right. I mean, something just what did you call it it, the Holodomor, H-O-L-O-D-O-M-O-R. Okay. I'll have to look into that after we get off here. Yeah, it's it's a crazy... I got into this genocide kick, talk about a dark rabbit hole, and you start looking into some of these genocides that they don't teach you about, and that, that one was one of the most vicious ones that Stalin did against the Ukrainians. But, I mean, it's, it's one of these things where... And, and so, I mean, just to finish up where I was going there the Donbass and Crimea and in those regions seceded you know from Ukraine and, and were wanted to be recognized as individual territories Russia wouldn't recognize them initially and the the Nazis the, the from uh the Ukraine the Azov battalion they, they've been bombing and and shelling the Donbass area for eight years nine yeah. years now and they've killed over fifteen thousand people and the people finally said hey russia ukraine won't help us can you come help us because we're just being bombed 
And so Russia came in and it's like, yeah, fuck yeah, man. <laughs> you give us a chance to to go at these Nazis? Hell, hell yeah, let's do it. I'll protect you. Because what's Russia really protecting? They want that port. They will not give up the Crimean port. You know, if they lose those ports, they're landlocked there. And that's one thing they will they will not give up. They will fight to the death for that spot. So, so. I want to get back into some of the older stuff, but I want to ask you one question about this thing we're talking about here. So now that it's come out that we pretty much, I mean, it's, I'll ask your opinion about this. It's pretty much cut and dry that we bombed the Nord Stream pipeline. Correct? Oh, we were we were involved without a doubt. What do you think Germany thinks about that? I think they're tied between a rock and a hard place, right? Because they they depend on us now and even more so now. But at the same time, I think they probably have a little bitter taste in their mouth. Like, man, if we could, we'd exit stage right because they don't want to. They don't want to be in this war, you know, yeah. but, but again, they had that guy Schultz in there who was another one of these war pigs that was just sending stuff to Ukraine indiscriminately, you know, sending weapons and sending tanks and all this stuff. So, I mean, you're, you really see who's playing with the globalists and, and how it works. I mean, this is just, this is just insanity. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. The amount of money that they've pumped into this. I mean, they pumped in more to Ukraine than Russia's annual budget already. Yeah. And it's ju we just hit a year there and we've almost doubled their budget in military aid. And it's like, that's us alone. That doesn't even account the other nations that are contributing. So, I mean, that's just another one of these where it's <laughs> what, what just happened in August. We left Afghanistan, right? So they needed that. That military industrial complex needs their coffers filled. So what do we do? What have we been doing since World War II? Just bouncing from conflict to conflict, whether it's legal or not. Because I don't even know if most people understand, but we control a third of Syria right now. Mm -hmm. and And Congress never approved us to even have military there. Yeah, so, and then the shit that we're not only funding but practice i mean the yemen conflict too is just oh that's that, disgusting it's that's just another fucking... genocide mm -hmm. and like i i bounce back and forth on the radio between like npr and then fucking conservative talk radio just to see all the fucking different viewpoints and when you hear these fucking conservative people talking about how like all these people that have sister cities in russia need to stop that right now because they're funding these or they're you know in cooperation with it and it's like also with china like the thing that and like people you say this all the time people are afraid of a china conflict or a russian conflict and they don't realize that the fucking enemy is in washington dc and i mean if you want to see their priority if you look at this train derailment in east palestine the fucking love that we're giving Zelensky in ukraine yeah the we ineptitude, none of that. right? We we couldn't even get a government official to go visit the site. Not until Trump 10 went. days. It was yeah. only because if Trump never went, we probably still wouldn't have had anybody over there. No, and it just shows you how much the government really cares about you, yeah. you know, and 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 cares about this country right now. They don't give a damn. It's it's a it's disgusting the the way that they deal with the money now, and that's just taken over. 
between the lobbying to get these people into positions, the lobbying for laws that benefit the corporations and don't benefit us. It's amazing how the laws always tend to favor one side. You know, it's like the news. The news always tends to lean towards one side. They won't give you both sides of the picture because then you might be able to think about it and make an educated judgment. Instead, they have to feed you a narrative so that you don't have to think. You've just you just get indoctrinated with that over and over again. And eventually, you're just going to believe it if you hear it enough. Yeah, I mean, case in point, this fucking thing that Tucker Carlson. I mean that that shit's all set up, right? You know, I he is like the Alex Jones of mainstream media. He knows that's the role he's playing, but it's hilarious that he's showing this footage. And they're flipping the fuck out. Now, what McCarthy should have done is given it to every fucking news outlet and let CNN and MSNBC refuse to show it and then have Fox show it. Oh, he could have given it to them. Listen, but but the Democrats have access to it. I know. They can give it to their news outlets. That's very true. You think that these people want it? No, they just want to play the victim and say, oh, he gave it to the to, to the red guys, but not the blue guys. But the blue guys, even if they get it, would they show it? No. No, because you hear what the blue is saying, right? I mean, Schumer's out there threatening Fox and threatening Tucker Carlson the same way that he threatened Trump for messing with the intelligence agencies when he came in to be president. I mean, no. that's all these guys are. It's it's they're mobsters. Mm-hmm. They're running mafia. That's all it is. And if you go against the mafia you better watch your back because they will deal with you and ask anyone who's been an associate of the clintons how that goes <laughs> no yeah. i mean come on well and you know it kind of reminds me a lot this tucker carlson mccarthy situation it reminds me a lot of the twitter files where they aren't really fucking saying anything we all didn't know it's just yep. like we all but they're saw. saying it. they're saying it but the the layman people and the the you know i don't want to say npc or normie but just people who take the mainstream narrative at face value they do need to see it and mm-hmm. i i'm not an elon musk guy i have my issues with matt taibbi i like schellenberger barry weiss is a fucking dumb cunt but you know these people they get this information that's filtered from Elon Musk through these FBI people. And then it gets to them and it's like, it's still, it's not like a WikiLeaks dump or anything like that. No, no, it's better than what we were getting obviously. But at the same time, again, but when it's only covered by one news station in, in a, I can't even say a non-bias because the way he clipped it up, it was bias. I mean, that's what he's he, good at. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, you're never going to get a not what happened to journalism. That's the bigger problem. Well, here. they're trying to make it so that journalism is now a Twitter thread. And that's what I hated about the Twitter files was like, how can you put all this information into a fucking Twitter thread? Yeah. And then well, like, or you can go to a sub stack, right? Yeah. You can yeah. pay for it or you can wait for like the, the real filtered twitter threads that are like really spaced out like reality tv and well just... and what i find fascinating too is the the he- not hearings but the what they're doing with taibi and schellenberger right now having them uh before congress and the venom that these guys are getting as journalists being called not journalists saying that they're doing this for financial reasons from the people who should be protecting the media 
you know the liberals who were always for this kind of stuff and it's like man how times have changed and anybody that believes that team blue team red shit like i i can't even like have a good conversation with you anymore right because if you think one side's in the good and one side or one side's in the right and one side's in the wrong you're blind because they're both they're both going to bend us over it's purple it's all purple well and what's purple purple's the color of royalty exactly and that's where this comes from right it, we bled into blue and red it came from purple and went to blue and red and it's yeah, all and part of this uh ukraine is blue and yellow and that's green mm -hmm. when you mix it so it's just like this shit's like yeah exactly all right so we we just spent about a half hour talking about modern stuff but i, I kind of want to move back into the old world so let's go i'll ask you a question that's intentionally going to lead you somewhere so if anybody's listening to this uh matt behind him has this picture of chicago and it looks like you're looking at fucking rome basically i mean just it's like the white house kind of pillars it looks like the, the capitol domes. building and yeah. the statue of liberty and anything you would see in dc old style roman greco-roman architecture yeah and so by listening to your show I get the feeling, and this is my speculation, you're all, that's what I love about your show, you're always really good at laying out the information and saying it could be this, it could be this, it could be this. But I walk away from all this shit thinking that there was an old world and there was a great reset somewhere in the mid-19th century to kind of the beginning of the 20th century it's like the 1800s something went on you have these cities and you, you you talk about the exposition and the meaning of that word and it's like there was this world and then all of a sudden it's gone and then it also ties into these fucking trains that came in with orphans so would you say that that's what's going on here or would you say that it's like bigger than that even I think it's bigger than that. I think this was the plan that, well, this was the one of the stages of the Great Reset, right? Because you had, this was the part where, okay, we have a base layer of infrastructure down. Now we're going to start throwing in the people. But in order to make this work, these people have to know how it's going to work, but they have to kind of see where they were coming from and what we had before. But we're going to show them what in this industrial because this ties directly with the industrial revolution so as we start going towards the industrial society this is when we start seeing this influx of world's fairs now what were the world's fairs i really feel like they were giant indoctrination camps i mean some of them gave out diplomas when you finished some of them gave out handbooks in the beginning and they had questions for each of the different i, I want to say buildings but each building was like the manufacturer's building they had the fine arts building they had the women's building and so what they would do is they'd have questions in there for you like and and you would go in and you'd take notes and this was something you couldn't do in one day okay because chicago was built on almost 700 acres 
of land and there was about 200 buildings that were built for this so we're talking and and some of the one of the buildings alone could hold up to 300,000 people and and to put that in context for those of you that are like well what's that that's three football stadiums you know three nfl football stadiums worth of people actually it's bigger than that because nfl only holds about 75 80 it's like college football stadiums those monster things but 300,000 people in 18, 1893 so but i think these things were you get these people in now who were these people going to the fair that's one of the questions right because a it was very expensive to go to these things so to travel was not cheap back then nor easy a lot of these people came over from europe and when you look at these people at the fairs and watch some of the videos of it you see them walking around and they're looking and even people i saw a couple documentaries where they were quoted as saying it's like they were under a spell and they're just walking around like not really knowing where they are or what's going on and it's almost like they were taken from their place dropped in this disneyland almost sort of uh place i mean think about it if you're on a farm working on a farm and you've never seen anything other than like a two-story building you know a plain wood barn building maybe a stone building now you see these i mean magnificent structures and and waterworks and landscaping it's it would just you'd feel like you were placed in a whole different place in time and so they send these people through this and what's outside is the old world right they're showing you the old way how things were how the beauty of it but then when you go inside that's where different states uh, of the united states or countries would have their products that they were going to show the world this was their time to you know like it was like a super bowl commercial for them you know, it was a chance for them to market their products, the best of their their country. So like France in the fine arts, they would bring the best of their art over. Um, and same thing with everyone. So some of these, and it was weird because certain fairs had certain foreign countries that had a big influence. Like in Chicago, the Brazilian building was just absolutely amazing, which doesn't really make sense there wasn't a whole lot of correlation between chicago and brazil in the 1890s so <laughs> it's just and and here's another thing to go along with these fairs and what you were saying before about the reset anyone that's not familiar with history go into the 1800s and look up go wikipedia or google the great fires in the 1800s and it seems like almost every major city has at least one, if not more than one, great fires. Now you're like, oh, okay, well, these places were built out of, you know, wood and 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 there was hay and animals around. Of course, a fire, it's going to burn the whole city down. Well, a lot of these didn't burn the whole city down. It built down the business district. It built down, it burnt down like the town hall where all the city records were and land ownership and building ownership and any historical documents were and it was just kind of ironic and coincidental and when you go back and look at the pictures of these buildings or these cities they weren't all wood buildings like you're told there's a lot of brick and stone buildings that are just absolutely demolished 
it looks like a bomb was dropped on them. So then you start thinking, well, what kind of fires could get this hot to make these type this type of devastation? Yeah, that you know, lady right over your shoulder, she burned at one point, right? Oh, they set her on fire. Yeah. Yeah. They so what happened with Chicago was there was actually four fires. There was one during the fair, which was unintentional, in the cold storage building. And actually, uh, a couple firefighters actually died in that, unfortunately. But then after the fair ended, they had three different fires. One of them built, uh, burnt down a large section of the um, Court of Honor, which is behind me. Another fire. And again, there's some crazy stories with these. Like one of them was that there was a riot because they didn't want the fair to end so they burnt it down <laughs> like why would you you you're fighting to keep the buildings but you're going to burn them down you're going to set them on fire like it's just stupid shit and so the stories just never add up and you look at it i mean it's like the story of chicago fire they say it started by a cow kicking over a lantern it's like a cow kicking over a lantern caused millions of acres in damage okay sure well, and wasn't there a bunch of them across the United States, like all at the same time? Oh, that's a whole, I did, I did three parts, a three part episode on that, like four or five hours on the 18 fires of 1871, because everybody, a lot of people, anybody historically is familiar with the great Chicago fire, which again, you're told burnt down the entire city of Chicago. No, it built, it burnt down a very select section of the north side of chicago which just so happened to be the business district and a, a, an area that was sought after right on the port um but that burnt but on the same day over a million acres burnt in peshtigo wisconsin and a couple million acres burnt in michigan so you have what uh if anybody's looking at a map you have lake michigan and everything on the east of Lake Michigan burnt everything on the west coast of East Mi uh, Lake Michigan burnt. And then you have Chicago down at the southern tip of it. There was a fire there, too. And so it was one of those we're looking at it. It's just very suspicious. And you look at um, a map that day and there was a cyclonic funnel that basically went from Canada down to Texas. And what caused that is a mystery to this day. And some people claim it was like kind of some sort of uh, old school energy weapon, you know, a direct energy weapon type thing, a frequency weapon that they were using to, to start these fires. And because, I mean, again, you go into these fires and even with the, the fire here uh, on these. So they, they set these and then to the coup de grace to set off the fair was they set the lady on fire in like a ceremony like burning now, man burning woman exactly and who is she well that's columbia columbia is the same one that's on the top of the capitol and it's a roman goddess it's it's one of these you know going back to the roman rome did rome really fall or did they just change hands did it go from being over there to over here and that's what we see a lot now. Or was it at one time just fucking worldwide? Because that's that's the where I lean towards is that it was more worldwide 
but they didn't want you to know it was here because something happened yeah and they got they got overrun it appears by some savages or you know we're told savages <laughs> and they just wiped them out and then they wouldn't let them come back and even visit the territory because west of the mississippi good luck west of the rockies even more luck we have nothing of substance europe has nothing of substance on there until basically uh lewis and clark do you think that's a legit story no well i i think they i think there was an exploration mm -hmm. but i mean there's a reason why he died by suicide with two shots in his head yeah he was the first of the clinton body count yes type of and death. pages <laughs> of his journal were missing yeah. you know and and a lot of the rumors behind that was that not only did he see giants out there but there were civilizations out there and there were remnants you know like he ran into the the grand canyon all the egyptian stuff in the grand canyon that's yeah. supposedly in there he, he supposedly they came across that and a lot of stuff in the pacific northwest that has a very chinese tartarian feel to it right and and i'm i'm di doing some research right now on a book by uh oh, what's his name something josiah priest i think is his name it's called uh antiquities and discovery of america uh, antiquities of the west and discoveries of ancient america or something like that where he talks about how even the natives that we know right like the indians were the next level there was people before them there was a civilization before them that they were just kind of took over and that's kind of why they were running around in tents and stuff at that point because the, the it had just been chaos here and and something really bad happened here so but do you know about the clovis yes okay so that is something that because i'm from northeast oregon originally right next to idaho and okay. there's two sets of like you can find an arrowhead that might be Nez Perce, or you can find an arrowhead that's shaped different and they say it's Clovis. But to you, do you think they were more advanced? Well, I think I think you had I, I don't know how to put it because I think there were certain groups that had advanced technology, right? Like I think the Phoenicians, when they were traveling around, I think they had um more advanced stuff than we know about. I think you had people that were here before we're told that built some of these structures. I mean, you look at the, the mounds um, throughout our country. I mean, there's more pyramids in America than there are in Egypt. They're just not unearthed yet. They're not. Well, some of them are. One of them's bigger. Um, if you look at uh, Cholula, which is bigger, or you go to um, what's the one in St. Louis? Uh, not i want to say cuyahoga but that's not it cahokia in, in on the mississippi river that's has a wider or no i'm sorry i'm mixing them up the one in mexico which is cholula is much bigger than the biggest pyramid the base of it is is significantly larger so yeah you're right and and a lot of it's still covered or buried or they were destroyed right and it just makes you wonder why yeah what are because uh, usually when you're destroying stuff you're covering something up right you're not destroying stuff for the betterment of things and what do we see a lot of we see a lot of these people going 
around the world. And this ties into the World Fair too, going around the world and showcasing different or artifacts. E exposing the expositions. E exactly. And what, what do they do? They had human zoos at these things. Yeah, talk about that a little bit because that fucking rocks my mind. You want to talk about some crazy stuff. So what they would do is they would go around and they would collect native peoples, right? Like Eskimo, um, pygmies, different African tribes, different Native American tribes, and they would set up basically a replica environment, like a zoo setup for them. Or like a I mean, living they, museum. Yeah, like an enclosure. And they tell these people to live their normal life and reenact your life. And the fairgoers would come and watch them live. I mean, talk about degrading. And I mean, the, the idea behind Chicago, right? The name of the fair was, they called it the Great White City. Right. So it was the other part of it. And, and if you notice, all the buildings behind me are white. And that was intentional. Um, this was basically Europe. The, the World's Fairs was Europe announcing their world dominance and saying, okay, we are now the ones in charge again and enough of anybody else we're going to go and we're going to do it around the world it's not going to just be europe and america now we're going to go south america we're going to come into africa all across the globe asia and they were establishing dominance and so how do you do that well you degrade the natives and what does that also do it depicts these people as less than right right these people that lived off the land they lived a connected life they didn't live this consumer, uh, consumeristic, materialistic, industrial revolution type life. They were cat. They were outcasts from society. So what this was was this was the start of the corralling of humanity into this modern debt-based slavery. Because what, what what were they showing you? They were showing you consumer goods. They were showing you the next wave of things to make your life easier you know products um inventions things like that electricity was unveiled at the world's fairs um things like that so i really think that these things were part of a, a large part of the rollout of the great reset the last reset so to speak which like you said i think if you look at it it took place somewhere in the late 1800s some people will say it's even as late as the early 1900s and i can't really argue that i mean it's just it's tomato tomato it's when do you want to draw the line and say okay well this was kind of the tipping point it was kind of teetering from like 1850 on yeah so with the way these buildings are and it looks like and you always talk i love the way you talk about found dead like there's yep. a lot of these cities that were founded, but they're like old structures. And uh, dude, I started watching that documentary. I think it was when you interviewed Janet on your show. And I don't, I almost don't even want to say the name of the documentary because it's got flat earth at the title, but it's oh, the lost history. Yeah. Lost history oh, of flat yeah. earth. And yeah. dude, I've only watched about an hour and a half of it. And they've just now started talking about flat earth but the way they show this old architecture and how a lot of it's buried like like they went in and built basements and all these fucking huge ass buildings when they couldn't have done that with the technology they had 
and yeah, it's just like they found these things and just kind of made them theirs. Well, you would, you would, you look and there's doors that are underground. There's windows that are underground, which leads you to believe that there was some sort of catastrophe, right? That these buildings, or there's buildings that are built on a hill. Like right. why, when you have flat ground, are you going to build on a really steep incline? It just uh, doesn't make any sense. Whereas what do we know happens a lot? Natural disasters. And that's one of the things we see is a lot of natural disasters in the 1800s, whether it's fires. There was an earthquake in 1812 where the Mississippi ran in the opposite direction for three days. I mean, think about the power that must have been generated to make the largest river in America run the opposite direction for three days. I mean, that's just mayhem. It's unthinkable. Um, so we have all this devastation and I think it all, you know, adds up. You have volcanic eruptions, you have, uh, I mean, there's even across the world. I mean, over in Ireland, you had a year without a summer in 1816 where they didn't even have a summer and there was a great famine because of it. And, and that's what you see all, all across the world. And there's this great reshuffling of populations, right? You see a lot of Europeans being brought over to America, Africans being brought over to America, um, and people going throughout the world. And it's a very, very interesting time. There was so much that changed in such a short window that it, it's i have more questions than i have things that i can say i know this for a fact yeah i mean every time you answer a question you, it only wants you only get 10 more it's like okay yeah. i have the answer but now it's like all this stuff so let's get into a little bit of you just mentioned moving entire populations and like repopulating spots let's talk about the orphan trains because i had no fucking idea about this until about six months ago yeah it's wild man i i hadn't heard of it and again until i started looking in, into the world's fairs and i i came across not only the orphan trains but these baby incubators okay so in the late 1800s oh well let's go back let's go to 1850s let's start with the orphan trains so around the 1850s there's such an abundance of orphans that they start bringing them to America. Now, some of them are from Europe. Some of them are from uh, the East Eastern United States. And they what they do is they take these kids and they put them on trains. And then these trains go across the country. And well, what are they trying to do in the late 1800s? Well, this is when we're expanding West. So what better time to utilize these assets as farmhands and things like that? So they would put these kids on trains. Now, mind you, no supervision, right? There's no adult supervision for these kids whatsoever. They are at the mercy of the system. They pull into these towns. Kids get off the train. They line up. Now, one, one caveat to that, a lot of these orphans came to World's Fairs before they went to their final destination. So they were, were brought in given some indoctrination and then shipped out. And, and so they'd come into these cities and, you know, a lot of you guys have seen the pictures of the guys with the bowler hats, those types would come in with their wives and, and the rich folks would come in and they'd say, well, we need three kids. 
And they'd say, I, I want that one, that one, that one. Okay, they're yours. They would pay whatever the fee was or whatever, however they handled the, the monetary exchange. And they'd leave with three kids. And there was never any follow-up as to the welfare of those kids. I mean, they could have hit the lottery and gone to a great family. Or they could have been sexually abused, molested. They could have been put into indentured slavery, for all we know. Um, Which farm work, I mean, a lot of times that's like the primary reason to get a kid, right? It's just Exactly. They, they needed hands, right? They needed farm hands. So they would, they would get kids and child labor was legal back then. And one of the things this led to was child labor laws. So out of the benefit, I guess, of these orphan trains in the long run was there was some sort of child labor laws that eventually came in the 1900s. But, I mean, we're talking... 200 they say 250,000 kids from 1850 till the early 1900s were uh on the trains across America now one of the questions is why the fuck are there so many orphans right i mean granted there's wars going on there's disease but the one of the biggest factors you see is poverty just these families cannot afford to support their children and they they would rather see their child have some shot at life than live in the absolute poverty so parents were trying to sell their kids parents would give their kids away to people so this was a time where things are a lot different than it is now but at the same time i mean there was some shady stuff going on. You know, there was a lot of trafficking of these kids. There I mean, it sounds like it's just trafficking. <laughs> yeah. it's Well, and what else did, what else do you see a rise of at this time? Orphanages. Okay. So now we, we set up posts for these kids to go to, and then they can hop on the train if they need to be shipped from New York to Chicago. Well, we put them on the orphan train, shoot them out there. Uh, we need, you know, we need a hundred kids out in, in Idaho. All right, get them on the train. We'll get them out there. That kind of thing. Um, but what you, you also see now, in addition to these orphans, you see, at the same time that you have all these orphans, you see a rise. These baby incubators start showing up at World's Fairs to save premature babies. Now, I'm wondering... At eight, late 1800s why is there such an abundance of premature babies and if there are a lot of babies dying well who cares we have all these kids that don't have parents why are we so uh, interested in these premature babies do you know when the first incubator came to be like do you know like the origin there were iterations of it? of it in the from like the 1850s 60s i know there were there were people in germany that were working on it like not necessarily inc they were like oxygen tanks almost it was kind of trying to to just do anything to save the the babies and then it was more i want to say i don't know what the word is uh like mass produced and and started being pushed in the 1890s so like chicago was one of the first world fairs um where they had an incubator baby set up um buffalo and and st louis were the real big ones i mean st louis was had a huge incubator um set up and actually led to uh dr cooney starting his 
baby he he would have a tra- basically a traveling circus of premature babies <laughs> that he had set up at Coney Island but then he would travel around the country with these premature babies and people much like the orphan trains could pick up a premature baby and it's just like it's it's very bizarre because we we look now at it and you see all the leaps and bounds they've made in cloning um and uh all the sorts of dna manipulation and things like that that you see these guys messing with and it makes you think like well when you one of the things i say is go look up dr cooney and and some of these babies in the incubators because they don't look real like these babies look off it's almost like they were created or like they were the first like uh, the way i look at it i think they were the first in vitros okay right? i was they gonna were the ask first, about that i think they were taking these women okay because not only did we have orphanages so this is like handmaid's tell on a wide scale like i that's possibly. what i think because you have these asylums that start popping up insane mm. asylums start popping up never thought all of over the world at the same time as you have the and world. all these bitches have hysteria because they got mad about cooking their husband dinner so they just put them in there exactly right or their husband died in the war or their husband got sick and they lost it a little bit and or they didn't lose it but they were a woman and it was an opportunity to imprison them in a sense because if you look at some of the things that they could lock you up for in the insane asylums it was like menstruating arguing menstruating yeah (laughs) yeah like lady ladies having their period could get you locked up like it's crazy shit that they could put you in an insane asylum for and i feel like almost like some of these asylums were just baby factories see that's a missing link in my head that i had never thought of yeah because i don't I, I don't know if they had the technology in the 1890s to clone babies i think they might have known how to do it i just don't think they i mean it kind of is though because you just take the vessel this crazy bitch you induce a premature delivery and then you just slap them in an incubator and who knows what what they were throwing in these women either you know, it could have been all sorts of experiments they were doing. You Growth know, hormones and shit like that. Yeah, can we can we you know have a, a any crossbreeds and things like that? Like all little chimeras. Yeah, so I don't. But I, I mean, to get back to the more realistic <laughs> shit of it, it's like though that where did all these kids? That could have been one of the things is that they were feeding. They needed to keep these, and since they were artificial. They weren't the healthiest things so they had to try and keep them alive otherwise they're just pissing away their investment so they start manufacturing these incubators to keep these babies alive and they start selling them for like home use and it's like what you could get your own incubator you could buy your own incubator yeah by like i think it was the early 1900s you could you could have your own personal baby incubator and it just it didn't (laughs) <laughs> it didn't make any sense to me and, it, and this continued through the early 1900s that they would just parade these babies around and and ch- so it was just there was an abundance of babies and children at this time and it's just a very one of those things you don't hear about a lot like they don't teach you about the orphan trains in school um but it's something that had a significant impact on the country and the way it worked because now you think about it what else does that accomplish by taking these kids and spreading them all around they have no history 
whatsoever. Yeah, you can restart the indoctrination. Right? It's so much easier. All it takes is one generation. If you can disconnect one generation, you can rewrite a whole the whole world history. And it's almost it's like that's what they were doing. That was like the final coup de gras here in the late 1800s to this was this is how we're going to get it done. We're just going to we're going to scatter these people throughout the country. They'll have no idea where they came from, who they are, you know, how they got here. They're just thankful that they're alive. And I don't know. I I I'm fascinated by the 1800s because it is just such a while, especially in America, because you look at how America started. We didn't even make the Louisiana Purchase to the early 1800s. Right. So we were basically the 13 colonies. We were east of the Mississippi. And then all of a sudden, you know, we basically got a gift from Napoleon. He needed some cash. And now all of a sudden we get this whole vast territory, much of which not a lot is known. It happens so fucking fast, too. Yep. And then you have right after that, you have the War of 1812. Right, which is another interesting war because it's America against the natives, against the British, the French come in, you know, the Canadians are involved. That one in history class never made sense to me. Even as a little kid, I was just like, why the fuck are all these people fighting right here from all over the fucking world? Yeah, and they tell you the Canadians came down and burned the White House. Like, it just... They worked with the British to burn it down, and it's it's a real weird war, and it's one of those where you look at it and you start digging into it a little bit more, and you're like, ah, this, what I was told, is a lot different than what really happened here, and what were they really setting up with this war, and it, again, it's much like everything else. You've been, you've been fed uh, a narrative, and what we have to do is say, okay... What about the other side of it? And, and that's how I've approached a lot of the things that I'm researching is I, I've been taught one thing. What's the opposite side of the story? And then the reality of it is somewhere usually in the middle. It's a mix of both ends of it. But as his history, his story, again, guys, phonetics, wordplay, word magic, they love that's what's so that. awesome about the English language is that it's like the language was designed for that. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's a it's a code and mm -hmm. it's a key. And if you can understand the language, you can understand a lot of the magic because what is it? It's spelling. Mm -hmm. That's all the English language is. It's a big it's 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 a magic trick. And and that's what they use it. They use the words to cast spells on you 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 know and and we use them to spell we broadcast them out loud i mean we're doing it right now we're yeah. we're creating magic right now it's beautiful but there's dark sides to yeah it, too. And, it goes all over the, the spectrum of light and dark for sure yeah and that's what you have to look at it is all of this stuff could be beneficial or it could be detrimental or you could use it for a hybrid of of both but what I see as it, what the 1850s was and or the last reset was the separation of us from the natural way of living, the disconnection of humanity from Mother Earth or whatever. It was getting us off the farms and getting us into these factories, getting children uh, away from their families and into schools. 
um, it was, it's just a whole era of shifting from one thing to another. Now, the, the shitty part about it all is it, it disconnected you from how we're meant to live the natural way of life into the synthetic way of life. And what we're going to start seeing after this roll in pharmaceuticals, you see the, um, allopathic medicine system roll in and all of these unnatural things that are supposed to be the answers is what is what they provide to us they which is the opposite of what we should be doing instead of taking a pill you should go find a, a natural herb you know and, and instead of um all this stuff that they feed us we should be doing it naturally you know we, the one of the biggest psyops is rubber sole shoes right mm. it disconnects us from the ground there's yeah. a you know there's a thing to taking your shoes off and going and walking in the ground yeah, what do they call that grounding or something yeah grounding because uh, there's an energy you know and one of the things i was looking into ley lines recently which is a whole nother rabbit hole but what the the whole concept of that is is that there's a telluric energy under the ground that flows through the earth and then there's an etheric energy above us that flows above us and they kind of flow in like a toroidal pattern you know like the apple pattern and they just and that's the circuit and by us putting on rubber shoes we are disconnecting from that circuit because rubber blocks so you take your shoes off and now you put your feet in the ground now you are the conduit right those You're fucking conduct. hippies are onto something man well <laughs> there's a lot you know as 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 a much of a psyop as that whole revolution was well they they shifted it in a direction where they're just like, these guys are drug like Laurel Canyon <laughs> is one of my fucking favorite topics of all time where it's like they hijacked that rebellion and growing your house. They attached it to Charles Manson and psychedelic drugs and music. In a and who way. was selling the psychedelic drugs? It was all the U S government. Yeah. Cause so they the were looking for mind control. Yeah, MK Ultra another... and all of that yeah. stuff. It's just and dude, I love psychedelics, but I don't like LSD. I never have. Nope. And I they I mean, there's a realm out there that they control. And I think that like marijuana and mushrooms and cactus variations, there's another plane that you can get into. But LSD well, uh, again, is like a manufactured version of that. Again, what is it? It's synthetic. Right. Right? Marijuana cannabis. Uh, mushrooms that's natural lsd is but they're grabbing that too and they're gonna industry that in pots already been fucked but now they're doing that with mushrooms especially like i live in oregon they legalized uh psilocybin psychotherapy just okay. recently and i do think there's validity to that therapeutic value to fucking psilocybin is it but they're gonna industrialize it and like yep. these these psychotherapists a lot of them probably haven't even fucking ever eaten mushrooms. No, no, they don't understand them. They don't understand the whole concept of that's why you got to have like a shaman, you know, a, a guru that does it, not these medical because what are they? They're just glorified. They're legal drug dealers. That's all yeah. doctors are nowadays. They don't do any doctor work for the most part. I mean, 95 percent of doctors out there are just pencil pushers. They're just giving you a, a prescription. Yeah. So, and uh, anybody I, you're going to have a lot of people of my listeners go check out your show. So I just want to say, don't skip the first episode because Matt has a story about his journey through the medicinal system and everything he's learned about it. 
And it kind of actually put you on this path, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. That was one of the, the lies that really opened my eyes to, holy shit, they really don't want me to get better. You know, they do need me sick and to stay in this system and they don't care about me they can they have a a checklist they go through okay if one doesn't work we go to two if two doesn't work we go to three but that's just for everybody it's not an individual plan for me yeah so that was one of the big deceptions i found the medical industry it was it was one of the great deceptions i found along the way yeah and and even with the weed right like you were saying they've ruined the 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 legal pot now i mean that's not that shit is not pot i know like, and i mean you could still get flour but everybody's buying all this these extracts and these like they take out the terpenes and they add them back in and it's like why yeah just fucking give me some marijuana yeah just give me some some flour yeah and that's why i i stopped smoking for the most part because of it i i went to i have a buddy who makes uh makes vapes uh makes his own uh vape stuff so i i go with that now because i can't I, I was getting i didn't like the taste of the bud anymore from the dispensary it was sometimes it tastes like gasoline and shit exactly and it's too strong like i want to i mean i've been smoking for 25 30 years it's like you know i'm not one who's afraid of, a, of getting yeah, high they're making it almost like a tranquilizer thank you that's what it was. It was like a sedative, you know, you take it and it's not like you're not getting stoned even, you know, I've been stoned where you're in the couch and you like can't lift your arms. That's, <laughs> that's, that's a whole different high there, but this stuff just, it sucks the life out of you. You don't want to do anything. You just want to eat. You just want to sit there and veg and maybe smoke a little more. Yeah. It's like kind of what alcohol is, you know, they've, they've yeah. put it into that category, which I like to drink. I'm sure at some point I'll just fucking quit. Because yep. I know what it is and I know what it isn't. And it's not fucking uh, inspiring me. Let's just say sometimes the world gets so dark. At the end of the day, dude, I just want to fucking have a couple beers. Dude, you, know? you need to. You have to just numb the senses, throw your feet up and just. I, I love to just put on some music, man. Go back to some like classic rock or something or some night. I love 90s hip hop and rap and shit like. I'll just throw that on and go back to that time because dude, we're in a wild time right now. I mean, it's never been crazier. It's never been darker. I don't think, uh, from a, you know, overall energy of the world right now, it's just a very heavy energy that we're in. I know. And it's like to make it to that white pill status, you almost have to go through the black pill. Like, cause I know there's light on the other side and I constantly see it and I strive for that. Like, uh i don't know we've been going for like an hour and 15. do you how much time do you think you you got in you because there's a couple other topics i wanted to touch on i got about yeah i got like 15 minutes 20 minutes okay. if you want. so let's talk about some of these uh what's the implications of like now that we've been reset so to say what do you think the role of like disney and all that stuff is because i know that you're really big into that i think they're much like the world fair they are an indoctrination uh arm they're they're an extension basically what disney is is an extension of the cia it was uh you know after world war ii when you had the oss transfer over into the cia a lot of those guys not a lot 
there were two guys in the CIA that were instrumental in helping Walt Disney acquire the land for uh, his Orlando resort. And they pulled off some real shady things to be able to do it. And uh, and so you, you think about that. Okay, the CIA guys are instrumental in helping you acquire the base for your empire. But you don't owe them anything and they're never going to ask you for a favor or anything like that. And and so, uh, yeah. But and then to throw on top of it, when in the 1950s, uh, after they opened up uh, Disneyland in California and they had a studio out there, they gave the FBI carte blanche to use it whenever they wanted. So that was, you know, something they were very open about that if the F and, and they worked openly with the to promote the FBI and FBI programs and things like that through their they had a couple different programs they did with them. So I, I really think Disney, although it started out altruistic, I, I think it, it after Walt passed, and I think that's where you start seeing Disney really start going the other direction is after Walt Disney himself dies when his brother takes over is where you start seeing the CIA's role in it take over more. Do you think you they seeing... took him out? No, no. You don't he, think... I think he had cancer. I, I mean, he was a heavy smoker. Yeah. Um, and he was a drinker and he was kind of a miserable prick at times. So, you know, although some of those guys live forever, some of them do just die. Yeah, and and I don't think he's on ice either. I think that's that was no. a giant hoax. That's a, that's, a, that's a predictive programming. I think a little bit. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was part of that. It's part of that zombie programming that we can bring you back from the dead. You know, you're never really going to die. You're immortal. You know that whole. Yeah, it's part of this whole. It's part of what we're rolling into, right? This this combination of human and technology, where uh, that's where we're headed with all this. in, in the end, I think. So, yeah, I I always, to me, what fascinated me about Disney was their obsession with separating kids from their parents, whether it's a plot line where the fucking parent is already dead by the time the movie starts or the parent dies during the movie or the parents are just fucking not ever there and there's no explanation for it. And there's a lot of orphan stuff in Disney, too. Yep. Like, um, And there's I, a lot of nudity. There's a lot well, of. Well, uh... you remember back in the day, it was like funny, like oh my god, that preacher in Little Mermaid popped a boner. Yep, and, and they edited it out now. I I guarantee you, my mom has the VHS. We used to like dub movies, like you could put three. If you yep. did it in like SLP, you could put three on one tape. <laughs> we still have Little Mermaid, and I just want to get that for prosperity, because oh yeah, and like, the cover. The cover, yeah, the cover has they the, changed the that castle too, right? towers with the yeah, giant. Yeah, there was cops. at least one dick, but they There's all looked like three dicks. At least. There's one that is like you can't not fucking see that as a no. dick. Very fucking phallic, like. Uh, so yeah, I mean, what do you think? Do you think it's like Tavistock, CIA, a little bit of everything that's like telling these fuckers to program kids to like fill this trauma early on? Because I know there is mythology. You need to learn about life and death, but is it necessary to have over half of your fucking movies you've ever made have that in there? Well, not only that, but a lot of their Disney stuff is just stolen from old myths. Right. They're just old, you know, tales that they've taken and put it and they've adjusted the characters a little bit or the story. They've like given Peter little... Pan is like not them. And yeah, I mean, there's a exactly. bunch of them. 
Yeah, there's yeah, you go down the line. And so I think what it is is I mean, now it's more uh, prevalent than ever is it was the destruction of the family. Right? They wanted to destroy the family unit because if the family units is destroyed it the the children are more manipulable and like we talked about before, it only takes one generation of people to get their plan enacted. And I think Disney was one of those things where they could slow drip it over time, right? They could they could subliminally program you over time. They could su subliminally traumatize you over time. I mean, I, I still don't think I can watch Bambi when the mother gets shot. Right. You no, know, it's and like I, I remember I, that. I hunt, and that fucking breaks my heart. Like, yeah, I remember it as a kid, and it's like now I'm like, dude, how many cartoons have I seen a dead animal? How many times have I hit a deer myself? I'm like, it, but that cartoon for some reason at that time when I watched it as well, a little they, kid, it was, they humanize these these animals. That too, yeah, and mm -hmm. and and but it, it's Disney's a, a, a wild one because they push so many different agendas. And now it's it's blatantly obvious. But back in the 80s and 90s, they it wasn't so obvious. Well, I don't. I think there's people today that still don't see it. Like, if the, if you look at the beta sex kitten element of the fucking Mickey Mouse Club and shit like that, and all these kids that are now at like our age as adults, and how fucked up they all are. You yeah. can maybe name two or three that seem normal. Justin Timberlake seems normal, but I don't think he is. He can't be. No. He's the one who hasn't flipped out yet. Wait. Yeah, he hasn't done anything. Or Ryan Gosling. When are they going to fucking just snap? Like, yep. I don't know. And that's what you see, though. It's trauma, right? Because what do they do to these kids? They separate them from their family. They don't have they a They give them a childhood. handler. Yes. They call it an agent. The, that's the first thing. And that's what I, I, I said. It, I, I can't remember where it was. I was just talking about this with somebody. And I said, unless these kids have extremely strong parents or an extremely strong handler that's close with their family they're gonna get abused they're gonna I mean, get taken advantage of when you say 99 percent of the time the handler is just selected and handed to the kid, oh it's given like, to them yeah yeah disney says yeah here he's gonna he's got you're in good hands and he might like get in tight with the family he or she and just kind of like seem like a good person like yep. elijah wood is the only one whose mom i could think of that was like smart about this whole thing which is like to me if you put your fucking kids in the industry i question your sanity but apparently you can do it and See, do it, it was okay. different though when we were growing up you know it was a different time then and 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 we were taught differently about about the industry but i still think all the same shit was going on oh for sure yeah but there was just this big and that was the thing, and I still can't figure it out to this day. Why is it so important to be on the television? Why have they indoctrinated it into people to think that you don't matter unless you're on the television? Because you're a star. Yeah, know? right? And that's you're, a whole thing. You're a star. god. Yeah. You're, yeah, you're stardust. You know, it's, oh, it's just all creepy. It's all very occult. I mean, you look at all the logos of every major film, uh, you know, Columbia, uh, all these different groups, and they're all these weird logos, whether they're referencing Mount Hermon or... Um, Is that Paramount? Yeah. Paramount mm -hmm. has Mount Hermon with the stars around it, for, uh, representing the fallen angels. Um, and, and there's a couple of them that are just... 
I know there's something with Warner Brothers too. I don't know if you know that one, but they've changed it recently because it went from this golden thing and now it's just like blue and white and really crude looking, but it used to be really elaborate. Yeah, there's uh, there, those signs. I mean, sigils. You you were talking with NY Patriot. That's the man, that's the guy that I get all my info from on that because he's a genius when it comes to signs and sigils and all that stuff. Yeah, and so it's just you see the symbolism over and over again. And one of the interesting things that you see, and and, and I think sometimes we, we I say that as conspiracy theorists or people that are looking for things sometimes find more symbolism than you mean to you know because but at the same time when you're doing animation they do it at a cell by cell level every single thing in that cell is there intentionally so yeah, they used to have to do like 24 fucking drawings per second yeah so incidental is not so gonna if happen. they're standing there with their fingers up like this you know or covering one eye it's not by accident or a preacher gets a boner <laughs> yeah yeah or you got a you know two mice on a raft and there's a naked lady on pot pinned up on the wall like what was that uh rescuers or something rescuers down under which is dark as shit anyway that whole oh i mean but that's what you see again we're dealing with i, I forgot what it was it was something like 93 percent of disney cartoons from in like a 20-year span had child abuse in them mm -hmm. if not one instance multiple instances of child abuse in their shows now this is supposed to be children's programming why are we showing broken families why are we showing an abundance of orphans or kids without parents or broken homes and why are we showing them abuse if if this is supposed to be whole now disney is a cult I hate to break it to people. Well, look at Disney adults. They're the creepiest fuckers out there. My my sister's... Oh, sorry. <laughs> sister. Uh, my sister's sister-in-law, my brother-in-law's brother, his family is... They're in the Disney cult. They try and go every year. Like, And I've, I've told her some of this stuff. And she's like, oh, you're just crazy. You're one of those crazy <laughs> conspiracy people. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, keep, keep going. Like, keep putting all your energy into that dark arts bus because it's going to burn you one day. And one day you'll realize that all this shit that I'm telling you, I, I didn't want to find this. Like I didn't, I actually went into the Disney thing. To disprove it, right? To disprove <laughs> it because there was a meme. It was Walt Disney, um, Von Braun, Jack Parsons, Crowley, and somebody else. And it's like, what do these five have in common? You know, and it was like, oh, they were part of NASA and they all worked together on something. I'm like, fuck that. Disney had nothing to do with this shit. And I was like oh man i was like i got more than i bargained for i got deep dark sides of disney that now i don't even really watch it anymore like i'll watch some of the you know disney plus or whatever my sister has a thing so i'll hop on if i want to watch a movie or something but even this star wars stuff they've killed i mean uh, it's just it's bad programming now yeah and that go it's go woke go broke you know yeah. that's that's the way i feel all right, dude, but before we wrap up, I just want to tell you, I, I kind of have a broad idea about all of this stuff. And I sincerely, like, dude, if you would have told me even three years ago that I would have entertained Flat Earth or space not being something we can shoot a rocket into, I would have laughed at you. But now, <laughs> or dinosaurs not being real, anything like that. Yep. I think 
the the and i don't even want to say it's flat or round but i think that we're on some kind of plane and there's areas that we don't have access to and the people controlling everything we never see them i think mm -hmm. they're outside of that like we're like fucking klaus schwab or bill gates or whoever they're just fucking minions and we like act like they're the ones pulling all the strings i think that there's a, a force hidden and I don't know if it's in another realm or like outside of the ice wall or whatever the fuck, but it just seems to me like they're pulling the strings and we'll never be able to prove it. Well, and that's, I, I know a few people that think similar things to that, like that they, these guys are kind of like in the Truman show, right? There's these guys up in the moon Perfect metaphor. that are, are watching and they're like, okay, well, let's throw this variable down on them and see how they react and see what happens, you know? And I think that's what 2020 they did. They just, uh, let's throw a pandemic in there and see, you know, and we'll rile up the hysteria. We'll get the media in on it and this and that, and we'll see what happens. And I, I think that's where we're in right now because I have no other better explanation for what the hell goes on every day in this madness. Well, it just, the more you learn, the more contrived it all seems. Mm-hmm. Yep. So and it always benefits one side. That's the thing that drives me nuts, Colby, is how come we never benefit? How come it never falls on the benefit of the people? It always seems to go in one direction. Yeah. Well, Matt, I don't know if you have anything else to close out on. I just want to say thank you because you are a hot commodity in the conspiracy community. You're a busy dude, and I feel honored that you chose to come on Conspiracy Playtime and kind of help enlighten the people that listen and watch my show. And, yeah, if you have anything else you want to close out on, do that and also plug everything you want to plug. Yeah, no, man, I, I want to thank you for coming on, uh, for having me on. This is uh, it's been a great conversation. And, you know, I'd love to do it again sometime. And if you ever want to hop on Master Debaters, you're more than welcome. If you ever have a slot, let me know. Because definitely, I listen every fucking week. I haven't missed an episode since you had me on. I've even listened to some of the old ones because, like, you have on a lot of my friends like Davey Wavy and Janet. And it's just a great time, like Ryan always says. It's, like, his favorite part of the week. Tuesdays are one of my favorite podcast days because I get to throw you guys in the mix. So, yeah, dude, anytime. Reach out. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I'd love, we'll definitely, we'll get you on again here in the, in the near future. Cause, and that's why I, I love that man. And anybody that hasn't listened to it, feel free right on my feed. It's Monday night master debaters. I, I put it out every Tuesday, Tuesday morning. It should be out there for you. And, uh, I hate Monday. It's the worst day of the week. <laughs> and that's why I wanted to do a show on Monday like that kind of something loose that you know you get that hangover tuesday morning and you're like man there's nothing better than just getting a little life in you before you go to work or at work that day gives you a little pep and it's a fun show man we have we go in with no agenda every week and it's just wherever the conversation goes we could talk flat earth we could talk aliens we could talk sports wrestling you, you name it i mean we're all over the place with animal that. fight club ongoing That's, battle yeah <laughs> raccoons versus bears man you wouldn't believe this shit i get on that now like i am i am a uh i'm like a a sponge for raccoon data now everybody has their raccoon crazy raccoon stories that i'm getting their bear stories it's great but yeah, so anybody, uh, feel free, man. Check it out. It's it's a lot of fun. A lot of cool people on there. And, and it's a great way to find other podcasters too. And that's kind of why I did it. So people can hear other people and get get their show out there and get them some exposure. And 
the more people we get listening, I, the, the better it is, man. So I'm all about it. So you can find that on the Great Deception podcast feed. You can find that on any of your podcatchers. Um, I do have a YouTube channel where I put some of the videos up, but I've been burned by YouTube. So I'm really, that's like my last resort. I put them up there just for some of the people that I know watch them. But uh, if you really want my stuff, you can go over to patreon.com. I put all of my, all the Monday Night Masturbator videos are over there. All my other videos are over there. I, I love uh, posting old books for people. Uh, all my like 1800s. I, I just I'm going through right now. I uh, I just post about 15 books on the world's fairs from 1850 to 1915. Um, all different books from that year that the fair took place. So anybody that's interested, go check it out. You can check out my Instagram page. Same thing, the Great Deception Podcast. All my links are there. Uh, and Colby, thank you for having me, my man. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, dude, definitely. Thank you for coming on. And I just want to say I'll put all those links in the description. Uh, shoot me your Patreon link because I don't know if I have that. But I'll put okay. everything in there. And anybody who was fascinated by the shit we just brushed on in the last hour and a half, Matt has gone into deep dives hours and hours and hours of all this. And the Great Deception podcast has put me on a new path personally. Like a conspiracy is one thing, but when you start throwing history into it, it just gets a whole lot better. So, all right, everybody, have a good day, week, the month, year, whatever, whenever it is you're listening to this. We all love you, and uh, we'll see you next time. Soul's all